Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta with you guys, as always. And today, we have one of the guys that covers the Tar Heels about as in-depth as anybody uh, around the program, and it is Lee Pace uh, from the Tar Heel Sports Network, who is with us. And first of all, Lee, uh, how you been doing, man? I know it's uh, definitely been a, a crazy year around Tar Heel football, just a crazy year in general, 2020 was. So, you've been hanging in there uh, during these uh, difficult times? Yeah, Anthony, it certainly was a different year. Instead of doing the sideline, uh, the ACC and its member institutions mandated that there not be any radio sideline reporters, so I was not able to do that. Uh, but since Brian Simmons, a normal analyst, lives in Orlando and couldn't travel, I moved into his slot and tried to do the best I could as the analyst. And unfortunately, was able to get back on the field for the, the Orange Bowl in, in Miami. But uh, I hope that things will be back to normal next year because it was certainly a, an, an odd season uh, for everybody involved. I mean, look, you've been covering the Tar Heels for over 30 years, you know, especially after what we saw last season in Keenan Stadium where the Tar Heels were one of just seven teams throughout the entire country to sell out. How much different was this season just from an environment standpoint inside of Keenan Stadium, especially that first game against Syracuse when you walked in there and the only people that were in there were you, you guys, the players, and a couple of cardboard cutouts. Yeah, it, uh, it reminded you of the um, of August scrimmages, um, you know, preseason scrimmages when the players would be pretty much dressed out and they would go through pregame warm-ups and, um, you know, just sort of these mock scrimmages. And that's what it looked and felt like. But I will say even, even though there was no noise, there was no crowd, there was no energy, once the opening kickoff happened, I mean, it was just football. Uh, you know, and it was still the, the same game of blocking and tackling, and uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. So that part of it wasn't that different. It was just the noise and emotion that uh, was was so different throughout the year, both both home and away. 
Well, what was the most exciting part for you about being able to be up in the booth alongside of Jones Angel? Because, I mean, you're a guy that's been on the sidelines. You always, you know, get your, your, your two cents in during the game. But that must have been a little bit different being up in the booth, seeing everything from that standpoint and being right alongside one of your colleagues that you've been working with for a while now. Well, two things, Anthony. I, I realized I really like being on the sideline, even though it's not a great view because you're so close, so you can't see things develop like you can upstairs. You're just you're really close, and you get the you keep your finger on the pulse of the team and the emotions of the game. But the, the thing that really stood out to me was just how professional and consummate Joe's Angel is just in keeping up with all the details of the game and between he and Jody Zordner who is the network statistician I mean they just had some unbelievable performances just keeping up with all the numbers you know from Sam Howell and Javante Williams and Michael Carter and all these guys they it literally they were peeling back the, the, the record book every single game just coming up with new standards that these guys had uh, uh, eclipsed. So that was that was fun just to kind of get a bird's eye view of, of all the numbers they had to keep up with and everything that, that goes into keeping up with all the stats, the records, and the, the evolution of the game. Well, they had a lot of numbers to keep up with because this offense was about as efficient as any that we've ever seen. And of course, it's head man by Sam Howell. At this point, I mean, look, he had a tremendous freshman season that had him ranking up there with Trevor Lawrence and Jameis Winston in the conference. Stuck with that, you know, for his his sophomore season as well, and you know, already has tied Darian Durant for the most uh, touchdown passes in a career in Carolina history. At this point, is there any doubt in your mind that we're watching the best quarterback that's come through Chapel Hill? No, absolutely not. I mean, there's nobody been quite as close to Sam uh, just in terms of everything that he does. And, and this year it was fun to watch him. Uh, be able to run the ball and you know show what he can do with his feet and that was fun the the, the hit the hit that he laid on an nc state uh would be tackler um, in that game and so he's a pretty powerful dude and then and quicker than you would think he was and so his game just continues to evolve and look forward to uh, one more year with sam and um you know, the th- last year he did it with a very young offensive line. This year it was a much improved offensive line. And next year you'll be able to, to say that he's absolutely with a veteran, experienced, uh, cohesive offensive line, more so than we've, we've talked about at any point in Sam's career. Yeah, no, that's going to be a really big uh, thing for him out of the gate, especially with the fact that he is going to be losing uh, some big-time targets, including two guys in the backfield, both Javante Williams and Michael Carter, of course, moving on and will probably be drafted sometime on day two during the NFL draft. And both guys really had tremendous seasons for the Tar Heels. You, you know, if you go back, Lee, and look through the history of Carolina football, they have had some tremendous running back tandems. But this one definitely has to rank up there. When you look at it, where do you think this one ranks among some of the best that we've seen in program history? Well, it's right up there at the top, Bob. I, I, I think what's remarkable about it is that they did it with an offense that was still lethal through the air. I mean, these other offenses that have been so good that maybe have had a, an Amos Lawrence and a Kelvin Bryant tandem or a Mike Voigt and James Betterson together, those were still ground-oriented offenses. But they accomplished this by, by being really powerful and explosive through the air. And it was, it was fun to see the way 
the offense has evolved the last two years, and particularly this year, the way they made use of, of Carter and Williams as, as receiving threats. Uh, both of them have good hands. Both of them were nimble out of the backfield. And so that added just yet another element to what Carolina was doing offensively. Well, you talked about how the passing game was still extremely efficient. I mean, look, Sam Howell threw for over 3,500 yards. His big-time receiver, Deami Brown, back-to-back seasons with 1,000 yards uh, receiving, which is shocking to me that he's the first 1,000-yard, uh, first uh, receiver in program history to be a back-to-back 1,000-yard receiver. I think the big question that a lot of people have right now is just how tough do you think it's going to be to replace what Deami Brown has brought to this team over the last couple of years? Well, Deami has just done tremendous things for the Tar Heels, but honestly, I don't think receiver is going to be as big an issue as the tailback position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Caroline still has Bo Corrales, and God, he's made some monster catches over his career, and um, um, some other guys stepped in, played very well this year, so it, it's the running back uh, that, that concerns me the most. Where's the, the new guy going to come from? They've got four or five kids that that are, are laying a claim to, to those snaps and, and those carries, and we're just going to have to see that evolve over, over spring and in August and going into the 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, they're, that they are losing a lot in the backfield. There is some production that I are losing at wide receiver, though, outside of De'Ami Brown. They are also losing Daz Newsom, but as we saw with Josh Downs, there's reasons to be confident. But Daz Newsom is still a guy that had a tremendous career at Carolina, ranks top five in most of the major receiving categories. But you know what, Lee? It just seems a little bit different when we talk about him as opposed to some of the other big-name wide receivers that we've talked about, you know, with Quinshaw Davis in recent years, Ryan Switzer. Um, you know, those guys seem to get a little more publicity when it came to them getting, you know, as highly ranked as they did on some of these these uh, these uh, these record books. When you look at Daz, you just don't get that same feeling. Why do you think that he has kind of flown under the radar with how successful his career was? Well, I don't think he flew on the radar as a junior. I think he had a great year there. I, I think he was certainly on the radar this year some. But as I mentioned earlier, uh, those tailbacks were lethal lethal receiving threats out of the backfield and Phil Longo make a concerted effort to get that to them and thus that cut back on some of uh, Daz's touches. So uh, I think we're going to see Daz do well in the NFL and do well in the draft and, and he's going to be borne out as having had, had an outstanding career at Carolina. Well, you look at this Tar Heel defense. You go over to the other side, and this is a group that has shown a lot of promise uh, throughout. You know, Phil, uh, excuse me, Jay Bateman's time here, but especially towards the end of this season, when you started seeing, you know, some of the young guys sprinkled in, and definitely started seeing more rotation of the guys up front. Do you think that that's something that we'll see more of at the beginning of the season uh, next year in 2021 with the rotation, or do you think they try to go back to what we saw from them early this year? and primarily last year when they had Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge running as their main two guys up front? Well, they'll rotate if they've got the players they think are good enough to to be rotated. They're not going to rotate just for the sake of rotating. And um, the the kids that they started rotating in toward the end of 2016 were all freshmen who were simply not ready to play uh, right out of the gate in in September. It's hard to put a freshman out... um, that early a true freshman and so as the year evolved you started to see Des, Des Evans get more snaps so I came and Rucker get more snaps and then and of course Jaquarius Conley and Tony Grimes toward the end of the year were both starters 
So with the recruiting year that they've had with some players, uh, uh, you know, the defensive tackle, uh, Kendrick Bingley Jones, who did not play at all, who was an outstanding physical specimen, he'll be lining up in August. So uh, this it's all about talent and, and how good are your players and how many do you have stockpiled. And, and there's no question that what Mac Brown inherited when he got to Carolina in 2019 he had a full complement of solid players on offense. They just lacked a quarterback. They had to go out and get Sam Howell. Defense has been the problem. Uh, defense was never recruited very well under Larry Fedora, and they had three different coordinators, three different regimes over his seven years. And so it's defense that has needed the attention and the stabilization, and they are doing that with their staff, and they're doing that with, re- with recruiting. And they've had, had three outstanding – two – two full Mac Brown recruiting years and then the transition year in which they got players like Eugene Asante and Don Chapman who have already had an impact. So as they continue to recruit well and develop these players on defense, uh, you're going to start to see a defense evolve that um, can keep up with the Tar Heel offense. Yeah, the outlook looks about as good as it has in, in a long, long time, probably since the Butch Davis days uh, for this defense. You know, there are some people that think that this unit over the next couple of years has a chance to become one of the top units in the ACC, especially with the way that they've been recruiting. What do you think the next step is for that this team defensively, though, as we head towards 2021? What are maybe the areas you think that they might have a chance to improve in next year? Well, they've certainly got to get off the field in some key situations. Uh, they've got to handle uh, running quarterbacks better than they have, which they will do as they get more athletic and, and get more experience. But um, uh, the next step for this defense is not to lose at Virginia and lose at Florida State and give up the kind of numbers they did to uh, to some terrific quarterbacks in those games. And that's, um, that's an evolutionary process, and, and they're getting there. They started to get better as the year went on. So five seniors are scheduled to return to this team next year. Grayson Atkins, Bo Corrales, Timon Fox, Tyrone Hopper, and Garrett Walston have all announced that they will return uh, for 2021. When you look at the, that group, which one of those guys do you think could have the biggest impact next season in their for most of them their sixth and final year? Well, you ran those numbers, those names by me uh, kind of quick, but, uh, you know, Gary Walson certainly played more and more as the year went on. He became a reliable receiver. Um, it's Bo Corrales, as I mentioned earlier, he's just made some monster catches over his career. Those 50 50 balls that um, were hung up in the air, he can go out, go up and fight and then grab those uh, with the best of them. It's good to see Tamon Fox come back. I did tell a lot of more experience on it. And, and, and elite talent on the edge. So uh, all those guys, I, I, I think, could have uh, terrific years. And then uh, the last question that we'll ask you before we get you out of here, you know, look, this team, it is going to be, you know, there are some areas that they have to replace offensively. This is going to be an offense that maybe early on in the year isn't going to look quite as efficient as the one that we saw this year with everything that they're losing. Um, but there, And naturally, there are some people around the country that think that this team might take a step back. But, you know, from your perspective, I feel like most people's expectations, especially looking at the schedule and looking at all that this team is bringing back up front on offense and on the defensive side of the ball, 
wall, which they think will take a step forward. They're still thinking that this could be a team that could get back to the Orange Bowl. Do you look at that as a realistic expectation as we sit here right now with the way that everything looks around the ACC heading into next year for Carolina? I think everybody thinks they're going to take a step back next year. Dog doesn't know the team and isn't studying it very well because um, just so much talent returning at quarterback, at quarterback and that offensive line, as I mentioned earlier, they still got plenty of outstanding receivers and they'll find somebody at running back. And uh, if they don't, then they still got the aerial attack, which uh, uh, they leaned on in 2019. And the defense is only going to get better. The kicking game is only going to get uh, more solid. Uh, they've had uh, one year under Javon DeWitt as the defensive coordinator or the uh, special teams coordinator. Um, Grayson Atkins is back. Uh, ben Kiernan is back. So um, everything looks great in the special teams and on defense and offense, as I mentioned. The only question mark are those those running backs. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I think in time they'll, they'll solve that as well. Not as good as Carter and Williams together. I mean, we may never see that again. But uh, certainly competent, and, and they'll find a way to, to work around it. Yeah, it is going to be hard to duplicate just how successful that offense was. But, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that uh, a lot of the people that are really, uh, you know, talking about that, most of them are ACC talking heads, and I believe that most of them are really more just hoping that's what happens to allow maybe some of these other schools to take a step forward. It seems like Carolina is doing everything that they need to do, though, to be able to avoid that. Hey, Lee, uh, you're one of the best. You've been covering uh, the Tar Heels for over 30 years now. It's always great having you on, man. Uh, You know, it was definitely an unorthodox season. Hopefully next year uh, there will at least be some fans back in Keenan Stadium. It'll get back to being more of a regular environment. And we're hoping for you, of course, that you get to get back down on the sidelines, be a little more in touch with everything the way you like to be. So uh, for now, take care. Thanks for stopping by with us, though. And uh, we look forward to uh, another fantastic year uh, in 2021 for this Tar Heel football team. Another one that uh, should be extremely exciting under head coach Mac Brown. Good deal, Anthony. Thanks for having me on, and I look forward to the return trip. All right. All right, so that is Lee Pace of the Tar Heel Sports Network. You guys know him. Uh, again, he's uh, just about as good as it gets when it comes to covering Tar Heel football. He's been doing it for so long. Uh, fo- football in a Forest was an amazing book. If you guys haven't gotten that, uh, make sure you get that. Football in a Forest 2 uh, is uh, you know also uh, coming out on the horizon here soon. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, this Carolina team, the outlook is as good as it's been in a long time. So uh, again, we are uh, getting ready to wrap up the season. We told you that on the last edition of the podcast. Uh, The next edition that we do do of the podcast will be our award ceremony for the 2020 season. So we will look back. We will hand out all sorts of awards. Make sure that you go uh, check out our Facebook page. There's a link on the page uh, right now where you guys can go and submit your ballot and you can vote on all of the different awards, answer some other key questions that we've got on there for you guys as well. Uh, Some of the questions that we just asked Lee uh, are on there so you guys can go through give your answers to those uh, questions and uh, it, it is an exciting offseason there's a lot that has to be decided for Carolina uh, as Lee mentioned
mentioned, there are some guys on the offensive side of the ball that are going to be gone. But there is a lot of talent, so there should be some really interesting battles. Uh, and it's only the beginning, but we'll have you covered all the way throughout. HeelToughBlog.com is where you guys can go check that out. Of course, you can go back, check out all the stuff from the Orange Bowl game, uh, as well as our final grades for the 2020 season where we grade each position group. We tell you who we think had the most success, uh, who we think uh, can see some improvement uh, as we go into 2021 uh, and the offseason as well. So uh, make sure that you guys check that out on the website. And then when it comes to the podcast, uh, there's multiple different ways that you can go about it. So if you're one of the ones that are watching, make sure that you like and follow the Facebook page that you'll get updated whenever we're posting a new video. When you do that in your notifications, it'll tell you that we are premiering a video. You guys can lock in and watch whenever we premiere them. We usually try to premiere them sometime around 7 or 8 o'clock at night. Sometimes it'll go uh, towards 9 o'clock at night, but most of the time we try to get them out to you earlier in the evening so that you guys can settle in uh, right before you know you, you get ready to go to bed and listen to an edition of the podcast. Uh, as for the uh, podcast platform, if you're a podcast listener, uh, it'll be on, you know, Spreaker is the main spot that we upload it, but it'll be on iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever. Make sure that you uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast for us. Rating and reviewing helps us move up some of those rankings, and subscribing is for you so that you can get all of the editions of the podcast right in your podcast library. So this is only the beginning, guys. We are going to have so many more guests on here to wrap up this 2020 season. It's been kind of hectic with everything that's been going on in 2020, but we're going to try to start getting a lot more guests on here uh, than we had during the season and really focus on trying to break down this season and get ready uh, for the 2021 season. So make sure that you're locked in. But uh, we, we, you know, once again, want to thank Lee Pace for stopping by with us. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!